Hello, listeners, and welcome to the Profit Incentive Podcast. Today, I have the absolute fucking privilege of sitting with great friend of mine and one of the only people that I can confidently say is legitimately way smarter than me. His name is Michael Miller. What's up, Mike? Hello. I can only confirm and deny that statement. (laughs) You're like both smarter and dumber at the same time. (laughs) Well... How you how you holding up, my friend? Um, you know I'm doing great. It's a it's been a good year so far. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, not easy, but it's good. Well, nothing that's worth doing is ever easy, right. is it? No. So, um, we're and we're gonna get to what you've got going uh, here in a bit. We're gonna talk about all of your projects and things of that nature. But first, uh, thing on the day is for me today personally that I would like to talk about is. Uh, the the reason we both are affiliated and that's manifest. Yeah. So um, obviously you're a very important part of manifest. Some might say one of the two equally pivotal core figures of manifest. Um, tell us a little bit about uh the origins. Like like how how did this whole thing even really get going? Um. So the fact that it happens would be the other half. My other half, so I'm kind of like mom and Anthony's like dad. How so? And uh, so Anthony's got this like kind of coach, well, he wouldn't say that, but this idea of uh, this music, getting this community together was him. Me, I was here to supplement that. I was happy to help, but it was definitely his drive that brought that there. And uh, what was really cool is so Manifest started out as music. And then I would paint sometimes, and then one day, I don't remember when, we started doing a painting side to it as well, and the studio became more of this, like, counterpart to the music. So the painting part came later? Absolutely. Because I remember when I first met you guys, uh, it was roughly a year before the first manifest, I would assume. Yeah. Uh, When I came home... Uh, I had met Anthony at The Missing Link after a uh, stand-up comedy show, and I came over here and jammed with you guys. I, yes. can't, I can't recall if you were there that night or not. I would like to say that you were. I'd be wearing a oversized uh, jacket. <laughs> it was a comedy night. It's like it was that long ago. I was the, uh, I was the designated door guy for those events. I loved it. it was really? Like, what made me feel like Duncan Trussell and Anthony was Joe Rogan. But, <laughs> <laughs> like we would just secretly pretend that, but we're not even doing comedy. We're just like, like they're like kind of, Anthony's orchestrating the event and I'm just running the door. It's so okay. funny. Okay. So, so, so. But in our heads like that, in my head, I don't even know about, I, don't, I can't even speak for his <laughs> So Anthony comes up with this idea for uh for manifest and how does that go in the beginning? Because I I wasn't here for the actual always outset. word of mouth, always yeah. word of mouth, and that's been I think the best part of it is like we've never Anthony and I've never posted about manifest ourselves. Like really? Anthony sends out uh, direct messages. He spends like like a good amount of time like four hours the day he sends out to get everybody the message and craft it and get it all thought out and uh then but like at the very beginning it was just like probably like five people <laughs> so who who were uh the five core uh, original um manifest goers that's tough to say i think it was like 
Because, like, the tough part about it is, like, the original group was probably just our friends that we were, like, we already knew. And then slowly, one by one, like, they mm -hmm. would start bringing people, and then those people would bring people. I know that, like, Mac and Richard were some of the first people that we saw. I only know that because I ended up drawing them for some reason. I saw them, and I was like, something special. <laughs> you knew. Yeah, you it knew was just a moment. I, n I noticed, like, there's an aura about them. Uh, speaking of, um, Mac and Richard, how can you, uh, like, t tell me a little bit about how, like, say, uh, Mac's work, for instance, has sort of impacted you since starting, um, this whole thing. Mac's amazing. We were just listening to, uh, his album and I was like, just, I was zoned out and I was like, who is this? Like, this is like a cool artist. It was like on the speakers at the, at the place they're sent up over at Josh's right now. Mm-hmm. And I was listening to, like, that on the speaker, and I was like, dang, this is good. Which artist is this? And I was like, wait, fuck, that's Mac. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I was like, who is this on the radio sort of shit? Mac's cool. Mac has this, like, really human, like, humanist vibe. Yes, ve very much so. Anthony's put that really well, like, where it's like, he has this, like, this esoteric uh, element that he brings to the hip-hop uh, music game. Yes, he 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 has a very I guess a mage like quality to him, to where he feels like it is his duty to dispense esoteric knowledge to those who. Might. I agree. I feel like he's just like, he's like a, him and Richard are both like, uh, and you two are like all people that I consider artists, which is a term that transcends the medium. Being what like, what do you mean by that? Being like, y'all have a chosen medium that you enjoy. Which, like, for Mac is music and, like, specifically, mm -hmm. like, hip-hop and R&B and, like, this, like, uh, like, psychedelia that he moves into. And then, uh, but he, like, is also a poet to me and, like, beyond that, like, I think has visual, like, art ideas. He's fa He's got all the fashion stuff going, like, both of them do that. They both have, like, their, their, their toes in all these, you all have these camps that, like, your toes in all these different ponds. Well, I really appreciate you in including me on yeah. that list. And I can't say I had definitely put a lot of work into trying to dip my toes into different But I think media. it's like, but also like, I'm someone who's like, I've had the thought once like, where I was like, okay, if I never made art again, I'd still consider myself an artist. And like, that was such a freeing thought. And I like, everyone gets that same uh, feeling from me where it's like the part of them that ended up making the things is inherent and can never be destroyed. And so therefore like they're always this. Absolutely. I've, 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 yeah. I've put a lot of thought into the, the nature of imagination and like sort of the, the unconsciousness of it. Like we're all seekers of that. Yeah. And like that inherent nature of seeking that like, uh, creative magic mm -hmm. is, uh, to me, the more inherent part of an, being an artist, and it's often today confused with this idea of productivity. Myself, I'm the culprit, where it's like I'll catch myself being like trying to like do a bunch of stuff so that it satisfies this like uh, part of me that needs to control stuff, and that okay. that, that self can need that makes me feel like solves an anxiety. Yeah. It's so, it sort of it scratches the competency itch, gives you some serotonin. Exactly, and it, it solves this, like, it gives me this sense of purpose. Like, per, per, I think productivity as purpose is, like, a trap I often find myself in as an artist. Mm -hmm. And, like, I uh, very much always come back to, like, 
just appreciating being like, you know what? If I sat in the studio for eight hours and like just like looked at my paintings, I did enough. Yeah, and you know what? That's something that I've had to learn too. You know, as 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 someone who has always considered myself a workhorse and has and has <clears throat> bragged at at length about my the hours I put in. You know, I I was putting in eight hour days writing for such and such band. You know, that really all was was coming from a place of insecurity. Ultimately, like like a, a need to feel competent. I was really needing to scratch that competency itch because of a feeling of general powerlessness in my mm-hmm. life. And only once I got a, a true sense of competence and was able to, and, and, and when I felt in control of my life, no longer did I feel the need to um, broadcast that image in such a manner. It's a strange like transition. Like as you look back upon yourself being there. Yeah. From being there. Yes. Like I am like son, I'm on somewhere on that line. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. I'm, I'm at a point where I can catch myself. And uh, you know what? <laughs> that's that's funny you say that because I've been thinking a lot lately about like, and and this is gonna get super fucking woo woo, and I'm sorry. <laughs> I <laughs> but, am a fan of the woo woo. But I I've been thinking a lot about the nature of a um linear time as a dimension. Uh, the encapsulating dimension. the three the dimension we live in. Yes, yeah. and the legends, or I guess we we should say the the spiritual concept of heaven and hell. So the way the the way that it has been presenting itself in my mind lately is sort of like a giant zipper, but with more than one like row of teeth, like with infinite rows of teeth, but only one can zip. You know. And uh-huh. and as you move along the zipper, you can you can look back at the things you've already zipped, but you can't look ahead to see what the next chains are going to be, mm-hmm. and that that's what the th- moving through the fourth dimension forward is like, and and the quantum field, aka that's our experience, yeah, yeah it, being the zipper itself, exactly. And once you get to the end of all your possibilities, once you have once you have collapsed every wave function you can possibly collapse once your life is over and your name has been spoken for the last time i think maybe what these ancient scholars are are talking about as the fifth dimension is then being able to look at the whole zipper you know what i'm saying like having awareness and consciousness of the whole zipper so i love that thought because like I am someone who sees, like, our consciousness, not our brain, but our consciousness, the thing behind the thoughts that Mm -hmm. looks at the thoughts, the witness, is operating in the fourth dimension. Yes, it has to be. It has to be. And so, like, we inherently then are fourth dimensional beings incarnate in this third dimension being sent through a linear path, like you're saying, through time. And it's such a phenomenon. And to have seen ourselves represented in the fourth, third, and second dimensions, is it not then fair to extrapolate that perhaps we descended from the fifth down to the fourth? And who's to say that there's no, there's any limitation to this experience? Exactly. And I think, like, that's a cool part of it. There's, like, been very much... Parts of my life that I got that like Donnie Darko vision. Have you ever seen the movie where the or like where you can watch everyone coming out of their chest? Oh, I, I it's it's been so long. I'm not gonna lie. I've had like an experience once where I could see where everyone was gonna go. Yeah, it was, like, a really calm period of like very brief. 
Wow. So you almost felt like to tie I think back there's to the... a yeah, there's a there's like a knowing that we all inherently are tapped into but like overstimulated out of. Yeah. That makes sense because it's overwhelming. And I, I, I think H.P. Lovecraft did a very good job of, of communicating that concept through beings like Cthulhu and Azathoth, mm-hmm, who mm-hmm. By, by perceiving their infin, infinitude, their majesty and their complexity that is so far beyond your little primate brain to comprehend, it just folds in upon itself, you know? Uh-huh. I, that's why I, I love that concept. And it's something that has definitely been a prevalent part of my own writing. Um, speaking of my own work, let's talk about some of your work. So, um, tell us a bit about this style that you've cultivated. Cause I mean, sitting here in your shop right now and looking at this, I can confidently say I've never met somebody who creates art that looks like yours. That's awesome. Cause a novel experience I think is so fun as a viewer. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I think that's a lot of what we crave as humans absolutely and that's like why being an artist is so fun because it's an infinite game of innovation and shifting and rearranging different components to create new things over and over again and it's a game i'll play forever so is was was that sort of the uh the mission statement from the outset like your first time picking up a brush or what what was your first medium so uh my first medium was like science i loved just like doing math by myself really science like thinking through stuff i very much enjoyed geometry and found that to be really uh soothing the way everything fits and and at what age would you say you found yourself becoming fascinated with geometry geometry would have been like i got moved up two grades in math and so i was doing geometry back like early ninth grade just like and then after i took the class i was just into it on my own for a while and then it all started really i've been thinking about it uh my mom so when we go to temple on fridays for shabbat my mom like before ipads and shit needed to pacify me somehow being a kid at the service and unruly and so like she like fishing through her purse and found like one of those like like thin like credit card calculators mm-hmm. gave that to me and I just like zoned in and now it's like okay I'm gonna figure out what all these additions do I'm gonna figure out what all this meant like so now I'm like five six years old and I'm already learning the math like the fundamentals early on what do you think it was that that, that drew you to it in such a manner I think it's just the this, this sense of order it, it, it felt comforting to like see everything uh, fit a pattern like and it, to like have an answer. Yeah, sort of gave rea- it was it it it's assigned com- a rigidity it's comfort, to reality. It's that comfort, that control comfort like yes. we were talking about earlier. Yes, yeah. yes, because we ultimately we are these little squishy prey animals, and the universe is a big field of tall grass, and we're always looking for movement in it. And it's nice for for something to feel like it lets us see above the grass a little I bit. I agree. I think there's <laughs> like a there's a healthiness to the illusion that allows us to transcend fear but it's not the ultimate answer yeah it's really interesting because it's like a it like it allows us to like building this ego and building these like things of control with that ego create a sense of control that allow you to prosper in this world but Mm. they don't ultimately serve you in the end 
So it's like an interesting, like hollow safety that you've created out with of it. So how, how do you see, in what ways do, does art serve you? Like what, what, what ways do you, I, uh, get an immense pleasure to see change man and thought manifest. So to see something that was not brought into being so simply as that is so, uh, I'm putting such awe by it. It's so silly, but like, no, that's... To, 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 to me, it's like uh, if God created us in their image, then we're made to create. Yes, and I get so frustrated when I sit there and I hear people talk about that in like the sense of God needs these futile sensory organs like like a tongue and taste buds and eyes. Like, even if we are, okay, well, maybe we're in a simulation and these are just represent representations of that idea. But I've always interpreted that as, or embarrassingly, once I discovered it later on in life, earlier on, I, I may have just, when I was more atheistic, I used that to sort of refute God entirely, yes. you know? Me too. But, um, Me too. Sadly. But uh, as I grew up, I then realized... No, what it's saying is that we, like God, are the only beings that are able to tap into, to communicate with the quantum field through true observation, collapse wave functions, and bring that which wasn't into being with our actions, so to speak. Yeah, there's a, there's a interesting, like, weirdness to humans, like, I mean, like, it's almost like we've, like, I think like the this like, oh man, I'm in this weird subreddit, right now. Mm-hmm. I like to get into the UFO subreddits and then get into the deeper like private alien subreddits. Okay. And this one guy uh, is claiming to be like a UF like a, a alien contactee, and describes like the old like the the eating of the fruit of knowledge as the invention of language and mm. through the invention of language of the obliteration of our memory and access to the universal language which we all have inherent and incarnate ah uh, and you want to know what's very interesting about that what? Uh, about you saying that is i've all or i've sort of interpreted that as the emergence of consciousness and what's interesting about that is that language is an emergence from the motion cortex of the brain and the, that the prefrontal cortex emerged and grew forth, evolved forth from the motor cortex. You see? So, yeah, this, so. Well, the brain has such plasticity that would make total sense that like as we use less and less of the brain for our survival it can like become more and more occupied generationally. Yes. So the to language and and consciousness stemmed forth from the more basal like animalistic motor cortex that uh it, that we also consider to be where feeling generates and where the archetypes live. You, you know the Oh yes, like the muses, the all these different uh, yeah. these different embodiments. I think there's like like that divine self, like what like what's your role and what's your like everyone has the 
what would you call it? This oneness mm-hmm. within them, and everyone also has a cut of the like this role, this like this archetype, this, and I think it's like some my current outlook is like to align your oneness with your role so that you're playing your role from the perspective of your oneness. I see what you're saying. So it is to, to realize that the concept of self is itself a fractal and that the things that comprise the self, AKA the smaller cells that exist inside of you are then fractals of your self. So you have to consolidate the fact that there are a multitude of of thoughts and of embodiments and of behavior patterns that exist inside of you that 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 compose you Michael Miller exactly which then the composes consciousness itself you know the persona of Michael Miller yes yeah. is the fractal and then like the consciousness itself is like that top part you're talking about and then there's even further fractaling outside of myself into everyone yes and the the and day everything. I realized that I was looking at a tree Yes. And I saw the leaf and I was like, holy shit, this is why we always see world trees. Because the leaf is the representation of a singular consciousness mm-hmm. or, or a singular anything. And to call th- and to say that this leaf is not this leaf is to be so mm-hmm. ignorant because really they're both coming out of the same twig, which is coming out of the same branch, which is coming out of the same tree, which is coming out of the same world, which is a fractal of, uh, of the solar system, then galaxy, then yada, 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 you know, it just goes up to existence itself. I keep hearing uh, this term in different practices, but there's like this invisible flower that's growing. And yeah, that like it, the world tree is a perfect example that like and we are like but part of this flower and we grow it with ourselves mm. like imagine like what does a leaf do it collects light for the tree yeah yes like what else are, we're in this realm collecting light for the tree the tree exists in the fourth dimension holy shit wow that makes complete sense collecting light meaning we, we are it. we we're, are consciousness created by we are consciousness is created by consciousness to fucking perceive itself. It, we're an extension, yeah. It's like uh, it's like that. I think that game of uh, I love this. Where it's like Krishna is bored, makes a counterpart to themselves, and that counterpart asks if they want to play a game, and they when they say yes, they blow Krishna up into billions of pieces and tells them to put themselves back together. That is so perfect to me i i, I it feels I, it feels it resonates with me too where it's like right it's just this like because then it's this beautiful game mm-hmm. to play and there's no wrong way because it's all taking us back together exactly as long as you are operating in the symbolic instead of the diabolic you're moving in the correct but direction. even like if you're the diabolic you're like the world presenting itself as an antagonist to itself True. like there's there's such a beauty to it. Like when someone says love everyone, it's like a much more complex statement than I think people realize. Yes. It's like, I'll, I try and exercise that and it's so hard. Like it doesn't even have to be like a bad person. It can be like your parents or like whatever, like love everyone's such a wild phrase. That's like, it feels, it's so difficult to embody. And you know, 
I think the assimilation of the shadow of the parts of ourselves that we want to think we can just get rid of that we aren't so happy with, but that are inherently a part of us is becoming a big part of the, of the collective awakening that we're experiencing in our society. I think, I think the memes can attest to that, that there's been a lot of sort of like the, the meme of goblin mode. Yes. Where people are assimilating that part of themselves. It's like, I want to be weird and collect rocks and just do whatever the fuck, you know? Right? Yes. <laughs> like, 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 people are, uh, are, are uh, finding a new avenue because, like, we're no longer geographically assimilated. We are now uh, consciously, like, accumulated. Not assimilated, but accumulated. But in a similar way, like, and, and not with the negative connotation of it, but, like, there's this, like congregation of thought rather than a geographic congregation like it has been before yes and that's like a such a revealing thing where it's like finally someone can make a post and they're like does anybody else like to like get under their bed and like act like a goblin and they're like you're gonna get like a like comment that's like no way me too i thought it was just me and then it's like that comment has like a billion likes so you're just like oh Yes, like we are. It's yes. <laughs> we it's are this. Very validating to see that there are other people who do the same weird, unacceptable shit that you do. It's uh, beautiful. <laughs> and but like the the love everybody's such a complicated statement. Like you can't it's like until you've released your attachments it's impossible. It's just impossible. Un- meaning until you realize that ownership until you of... realize you're all like we're all one thing. Yeah. And like can let go of your individuality you'll it'll always i think be an impossible but like perfect like good goal to uh, like uh, to uh sustain but it seems like the dispensation of the self altogether is the wrong move and that it's important to assimilate the ego and to find a way to orient it such that it isn't harmful to it has to be harmonized. Yeah. You have to harmonize your ego and f- like in the, 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 that's the big game is that I think people end in the middle, like you're saying, where it's like to, uh, relinquish yourself of self is, uh, to like abandon the worldly self. Yeah. It's and to that's, deny God uh, in a way. part of your dualism. Mm-hmm. And so I think like people who are on a spiritual path, myself included, like go down that pitfall where it's like oh man like i'm gonna just be like try and like only be spiritual and only think about spiritualism and then like i'm like oh my god i haven't showered in like weeks okay i'm like and there's a beauty to it but like there's a uh yin and a yang to it as well of like like i think part of that path though that i'm that a lot of people go on like to like relinquish yourself of yourself is important as a step because how else can you sift through what is your ego and what is divine exactly and like and but ultimately it's not to throw away your ego it's just to identify it yes which which is something that me personally i'm i i i believe we've spoken about this it's something that i have just only recently escaped from a major like existential crisis regarding because um over the last i would say year or so i've been contending with this feeling that i needed to or, or, or that the idea of Tyler was a was was one that was inherently silly to latch on to too much, mm-hmm. and that I needed to dispense with that and dispense with the ego, and so quit creating art. Mm-hmm. I I quit making music. I tried to 
I tried to only be a humble servant. And I guess in a way it was a nice little fast, but the, the energy I was applying to it wasn't a nice little fast. Like your soul wasn't being nourished? Well, I was purposely depriving yeah. myself because in my head I, I, I had decided for some reason that to like for for instance this podcast like just for full transparency so that all the viewers know this was never going to happen this podcast was never going to happen uh my my ex Miranda uh when it, when it, whenever we would talk about it she she'd say Tyler you really need to start this podcast you really need to start a podcast like like I see the potential for you to bring people together and to ask the right questions blah 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 and and I would fight it I would say what what of value do, does little old me have to bring to the sphere of knowledge that hasn't already been contributed, you know, like, like, and, she, and, and she, I'm sorry, I'm, 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 I'm expounding at, at a lot of detail, but, um, she, she would say, she would say something along the lines of, um, you, you can communicate it in a unique way. And I would say, but the people who are coming to view the kind of content that I would create anyway would probably find the knowledge on their own. That's kind of where I was at yeah. at the time. And so I was stuck in this crisis of just being unable to accept that creating was a good thing. And then a combination of a video of Rick Rubin and of our good friend Squeak, who I hope to have on the podcast yes. one day, um, messaging me and telling me, hey man, fuck that this is like your ability to create all these gifts are a gift from God. And you owe that shit back to God. Like you owe creation back to him. If if you don't create shit, you're basically saying, uh, you gave me like, fuck whoever gave me this. I'm not going to do anything with it. Squeak keeps it real. Yes. If it weren't for him, I would not, I would not be here right now doing this podcast or any of the other things I was doing. So squeak, if you're listening, big shout out, love you dog. Um, so anyway, back to you, uh, you're also a musician and, uh, I would like to know a little bit about how that came into the picture. Like what did visual art come first or music? Um, I think it was both were in the background casually. Like my grandmother played ragtime before I was born and it stopped. And so I grew up with the piano she had used to play on. And would fiddle on it, took some lessons in school, and then just stopped playing around, like, middle school, high school, just tapered out. Okay, and you just lost interest in it, or...? Yeah, I'd always just been, like, recital setting and classroom setting, and it was just kind of dry. Okay. And, like, I liked composing my own stuff, though, as a kid. Like, my mom saved uh, some stuff that I had done, but... Uh, other than that, I was like, I liked the feeling of it, but there was something missing, so I put it down. And likewise with drawing, I just liked uh, doing it, and I felt a sense of purpose and confidence in it that I enjoyed. So and at first, and also at the beginning, I think there was an intoxication of uh, of validation for ability. Ah, which so. I think is like a great way to get caught in like in a lovely place. Like what a what a fantastic thing for that to lure me into. Right. right? Like of all the traps that can take you to. To being a great artist. But yeah, it was like I luckily once everything slides off, it, you're luck you're left with a really beautiful pursuit. Mm-hmm. 
I go and sell the rest of the stuff uh, slides away. And yeah. that's like, that's, that's, that comes and goes still That's for me. something I never really thought about is sort of the beauty in the ego motivation after it sheds off. Where it took you. Yeah. <clears throat> I think it's beautiful. And then like, then you can follow what truth was being held by the ego uh, knowingly after you come back to it. Wow. That's amazing. It's, it, it's almost like, the the negative selfish motivations of yourself are the shuttle there's a truth to them like you yeah. did it for a reason and like uh, that truth is probably partially divine and like partially misguided can, but can anything is it possible for something to be partially divine or is that negative aspect that we want to say isn't is i think that's our divine? like dualism where it's like the part there where there's like we have our human heart and we have our divine heart like mm-hmm. in our like our div- human self divine self like higher self lower self uh, yes yeah. like there, you hear that division in all these ways right prefrontal lobe um, and so like cortex and so like the integration of those two is so important and like i think like the way it's best described is like ramdas talks about where it's like he'll be giving lectures and he's like i'm saying these words to you while looking at myself saying these words to you and mm. i just watch them flow out and they will be the right words and I just trust this process and it's like the state of being present and conscious of your divinity while also playing your human role simultaneously is like the ultimate goal that I could hold that like that's my path that I like struggle on and and, and what's what's interesting about my that angle. is that's yeah. that's like a cross-cultural like um peak of existence in almost all belief systems like some call it nirvana some call it monkhood some like like there's a lot of names for it zen yeah but sort of that 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 level of alignment yeah alignment's really the word yeah because it's like oh man i had the funniest experience of alignment that like was so like divine comedy i also think like there's something that like needs to be investigated or at least entertained because there is a wild humor that comes with uh with uh divine with divinity Mm -hmm. what is that why is god so funny right right (laughs) like and, and 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 you see that reflected so much in these different belief systems even as recently as again hp lovecraft as a thought created existence as a big joke ha ha it's, it, it's this divine comedy. It's yeah. this tragic comedy. And it's so... Um, it's like... Uh, I adore the moments of like crying and laughing. Yes. At the same time. Just like, that's everything. Like And like, especially if it's like you are... Especially if it comes crying first into laughing. Oh my God. Which doesn't it... Yeah, yeah that's those like are the, the really ones. wild ones where it's like you're so sad that it becomes absurd that you become like real free. <laughs> In a way, there that's sort of the most humble and prostrated before the divine state you can be in. That laughing while you're crying. Mm-hmm. That like oh, is such a like freeing like just like ecstasy feeling yeah. um, of just soaking it in and like letting it go at the same time. I. I think like I think it's a cool goal. I like it because a lot of like to get back to this question, the mm-hmm. series is the series of paintings is literally from me like at my end of painting for that period being 
disillusioned with the process similar to what you're talking about where it's like to what point am i to create there's like this ego-driven like egoless attempt at like this ego-driven attempt at an egoless giving up of painting <laughs> where i was like i was like who am i to be the one to say anything yeah <laughs> and like was so caught up in that thought that i stopped saying anything and like was just like so tired of painting and it was stupid and I just was like to what point am I doing this mm-hmm. and I was like hail mary fuck it we're going to like make ourselves laugh like let's make the worst painting ever like if we're like last painting last painting we ever do like I'm going to just make the worst painting ever and so I like become religious with it like very ritualistic every day in the morning at night i'm painting on this thing and like slowly but surely the joke is played upon me that i fall in love with this painting (laughs) and now i am yet again like beholden to this like uh expression that i've always been attracted to and just because i finally let it evolve with me yeah and like finally had for a time being given up the need for acceptance and actually like in a funny change like yearned the rejection of these paintings like oh the satisfaction of making like someone cringe or like shudder at my painting i feel that honestly there was like a (laughs) i was like finally like i was like i don't want it and like to like it was just this freedom that i finally felt and now i'm at a stage where i want both where it's like i want to just enjoy every reaction and i'm mm-hmm. trying to come back from this like trying to make everyone repulsed to like getting everyone to love it to like enjoying how anyone takes something and that's like where i want to get to and not allow myself to get as frustrated as i do with like people cuz i want a certain thing in the creative process and like it's this weird like thing is I'm trying to give up my creative practice to this divine setting, but then like simultaneously rejecting my brother and sister's like parts in these processes. That's like the wildest experience. Elaborate on that. Well, like imagine like, say like, I'm like, I do these manifest paintings mm-hmm. with like the crew and they're pretty free, but like imagine someone just came in and every time they showed up, they just painted it black. Like we'd paint for like four hours and imagine they just paint it black at the end. Mm. And then I tell them they can't do that. I've lost my game. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. You know what I mean? So uh, that's what I'm navigating is like, what, like, what does it mean to let it happen in this process? Like I'm doing with these paintings, but also maintain a vision <laughs> and like, but perhaps it is the very existence of that will to say, Hey, don't do that. Which is sort of the indication that you are a leader. The indication that, that you should then then trust in that judgment, trusted that will because it emerged up from somewhere and to then say, hey, don't do that. Right. You or know? at least to like, I think you're right. You're on the right space. Like, it's like, that's where I'm arriving where it's like, at least be like, to what end are you painting this black every day? Like with no judgment on it, just like ask them. Mm-hmm. Be like, to why, why do you do this? <laughs> do you hate us? <laughs> Is it to sabotage us? And would they change? Maybe then... I've done it. And then they're integrated. But there's like, seems like there's a clever answer that isn't no. And Hmm. like, it's a game I play with myself. And like there's, and the, the, the goal for me is that I can't 
the if I'm getting frustrated, that's my work. So you, I could, feelings... t- and, but I could simultaneously not get frustrated and stop them if I'm in the right headspace. Very true. There, there is a way to calmly and confidently say, "Hey, I don't think that's the right move." And that's the ideal for me. Yeah. If I could maintain that state of mind, oh, like to be peaceful in conflict like to be loving in conflict is like was that's like was i my goal this year is to learn what it means to embody love and like past the simple side of it see and and that's that's interesting because i sort of find myself on the opposite journey right now i sort of find myself having to teach myself now to accept Accept the fact that I am an intense, intense individual. Mm-hmm. To accept the fact that that I have allowed people to get away with too much and have allowed people to just sort of walk all over me. And, and, and that perhaps there is power and, a, and not only that, but a valid and acceptable power in embracing that part of me that is that is overtly like this is how my space is going to be a hundred percent you know because that is how you your flower is unraveling Ex- how yeah. your phenomenon is um unraveling mm-hmm. how like and, and my zipper is zipping it's just a matter of knowing of watching it and being aware of it that's yeah. all you like that i feel like it's so simple it's like Divinity's just a breath away. It's right there always. And that's very interesting you say that as someone who um, is of a Jewish background, knowing that the name Yahweh is comes from breath. the breath. Yeah. Very cool. It's very uh, cool. it's a beautiful thing, like and I think it's so funny because like psychedelics really make it apparent where you're just like, Oh, that's right there. Mm. Because it's not like it's taking it's not anything but you like what you're experiencing when you take psychedelics is you Mm -hmm. it's not like you're now another thing it's showing you a part of yourself and it's really that aspect of it i'm so intrigued by because it's a tool is Mm -hmm. what i ultimately see the psychedelics are a tool to unlocking a part of myself that's always there 100 percent 100 percent I think and, that is why the mycelial network is as interconnected as it is. But we have, without using the tool, access to that, is my belief as yeah, well. Yeah, I, I also agree. I think Carl Jung was 100% dead on the money when he said, beware of stolen wisdom. I agree. That's... We've been we've been desensitized, or even better, so we've been desensitized through overstimulation. Yep. That uh, quiets are inner powers it sounds really corny but like our magic is very much quieted i can feel it get quieted i've been magic and i've been without magic yep and i think that is a societal problem and you know what like this and you know what audience if if i lose you here that's okay um (laughs) i've been putting a lot of thought into the, the concept of what we refer to as the calcifying of the pineal gland and how that reflects upon, or, or what, what the core of that idea actually is. Mm. And I'm thinking that there has either, A, accidentally, uh, well, if you ask Nietzsche, is both on purpose and on accident, a, a, a diminishing 
of mankind's connection to the divine, a diminishing of our connection to the quantum field, a a sort of um, kowtowing to determinism that has deflated the magic side of ourselves over over the, the course of years. And I think that one of the culprits of this, even though this hurts to say, because I 100% believe dinosaurs existed. And I 100% fucking love dinosaurs. I was a dinosaur kid growing up and could name a thousand dinosaurs sitting to you right here. I love them so much. I think sort of the idea of the Cretaceous extinction and things like that have contributed to our determinism and and sort of an acceptance that, oh, ultimately everything's futile because we're just these little tiny powerless things in this big, big, vast vacuum. That's the new religion. Yeah. Science. And it has deprived us of magic because it is so... And quantum physics is saving us Science, from that. Science like, committed the same sin that like religion did. Yes. Of like cutting itself short by mm-hmm. claiming itself the end. Yep. All. And I... I I'm so thankful, like, I'm so thankful for, for quantum physics for sort of rectifying that. For quantum saying, physics is bringing it back yes. home. It, it's, it's almost like a, a translation of the Bible for a scientifically minded person if you really sit there and look at the at, The at implications the of yes, it. And think about what is being said if, in both works. I mean, like, how can someone look at quantum physics, accept it, and then, like, not believe we're all interconnected? Absolutely. It makes no sense. You have to. You have to. Mm-hmm. Because, like, the implications is that through entanglement is that... And the age of the universe is that everything is entangled. Yep. Everything. And you combine that with, with just the 100% evident nature of synchronicity. Like at the bar earlier, you just got done saying how skipping was a good thing. Then not 45 seconds later, a dude walks by and says skipping's a bad thing. Oh my <laughs> god. You're bringing me back to this, uh, this This thought I was having was like the uh, the psychedelic joke, this divine comedy. This, uh-huh. uh, what is, why is God so funny? So to, to bring all that back is this funny story where like, I, um... I'm a big alien enthusiast. I've been an alien enthusiast for the past year. It's relatively new, but it uh, re- it really lined up with a lot of my interests um, in spirituality, especially, and purpose. So I was out at a friend's family's property outside of town, and we had taken a little psychedelics, and earlier in the day... And at some point I had done a painting outside of the horizon that like was facing the house. And I like did it with an intent because I understand how if you apply intent to psychedelics, it manifests yes. very easily with that stuff. So I was like, okay, I want to see an alien right here. Like a UFO, something ex- like something come up. And so then like I put it down, I leave it there facing the horizon, the painting as like a calling sign. And I, like, send a message with my heart, and then we just go and do some other stuff. Goof off, watch some YouTube. We're chilling on the couch, all of us. And I get this, you know, that that psychedelic feeling where it's like, get up. So I follow the order. I get up. I go outside to the painting. I face the horizon. It's dusk. And, like, no clouds at all. We're out in the middle of nowhere. Uh, Just a couple planets are showing in the moon. And it's just starting to get dark. And, like, I go, show me something. <laughs> this orb with a little, like, gaseous uh, cloud around it starts coming up and drifting up towards me. And I'm, like, 
I'm coming down at this point and I know my visuals I didn't have any I took a microdose so I was like at this point I'm like oh it it's happening <laughs> like I'm like in a bit of shock and then it, from my perception it feels like it's getting closer to me starts emitting different shapes from it and then shoots a smoke ring and I like immediately like go from shaking and nearly crying because I'm like it's happening to like laughing because I'm like it's SpaceX stage three and because I'm such an alien enthusiast, yeah. I've gotten really good at, like, I've looked at a lot of websites that compile, like, things people commonly mistake as aliens and UFOs. Mm. And, like, one of the big things is SpaceX launches stage three has a smoke ring that comes when it detaches. Yeah, wow. And, like, I am having, it's such a funny experience because it's, the divinity of it isn't lost on me. It was it's uh-huh. a joke. I was, a joke was played on me because I was... Like you were saying, aligned. Uh huh. I was aligned to that moment to go outside and like have a joke played on me by God. God's wow. like, you want to see aliens? How about I reveal myself to you through summoning you to the SpaceX launch? Like, because what are the chances that I would know? I didn't know there's a SpaceX launch. I didn't even know where North was from that house, and I walk outside, look at this horizon that I had painted an alien earlier, like a UFO earlier in hopes of seeing one there, line myself up with it and go, show me something. I'm just like, that's amazing. And in such a way that was like hilarious because it was beyond what I wanted, but it was still showing me something that I was like, it was still being, I was still having something revealed to me that was funnier and And greater. What message did you take from that? That I am being aligned to some, like, that, like, as I keep these practices going of spirituality of, like, where mushrooms allows me into, call it Christ state, call it what you want, there's, like, an alignment, like you're talking about, of the role, the ego, the self, the persona, to the divine order, and, like, that was revealed to me by, like, bringing me to a physical instance of it. Wow. By, like, being, like, by, like, giving me the inner sense to go look out there without the knowledge of what was to happen. And to be shown something that wasn't what I wanted. To be shown that, like, yes, you can, yes, I'm talking to you, but no, it's not what you want. That's very interesting. And sort of ties back into um, something that is um, spoken about very often in conversations about manifestation, which is a... um, communicating in high detail what you want to accomplish but not how you want it to happen i get that one way i do it is i imagine myself looking back through a portal Mm -hmm. and i give myself a wink and then i wink back where i am and then i eventually wink back to that i am eventually at that moment that i looked at the portal through oh wow and i wink back at myself and complete the loop that's very that's fascinating. So you see yourself looking at the you through a portal that has right. accomplished the thing that you're wanting to accomplish, and, and he is looks it, and back is, at is you. in the state that I want to be. Yeah. Like I want to be playful and joyous and and there and like yes. It's and like, so he looks back at you and winks, and then when you're in that spot, you then complete. I feel the loop. myself looking at me, and I know that the loop has completed. That's did that where did this did this just emerge in your mind i've done unconsciously yeah that's really fascinating 
this idea of like looking back at yourself after you're done and looking forward to yourself. I really like that concept. Have you ever done any pieces on this? That's that's pretty interesting, man. That's how I like. I think that's how I won Critical Mass. Really, I believe so. Like that sort of magic of it. Tell us more about uh, your your uh, winning of Critical Mass last year. It was like very emotional. I don't like winning, per se. Really? Why is that? I always cry. I uh, get like this. Uh, I feel like it's like it goes against everything I work for and sets me back and I have trouble processing it. I understand what you mean. How the very concept of a victory sort of shits on everything you stand for. Because I'm like, my whole thing is to, because like ultimately what I love is making, like Billy Nelson says, is making music with my friends. Like I like, I like creating art and I like doing it with people and I like connecting to people through art. Yes. And like if... I could have a roof over my head, food, healthcare. I would do that forever and never ask for anything. I feel like I'm I feel like I'm talking to myself right now. So like like these winnings, it's like it's this weird moment where it's like because I am intoxicated by it. That's why I don't like it. Uh-huh. Because I can feel myself getting like drunk off of it in a way that in a thing that I'm trying to actively be sober of. And yeah. and and it's Two, it's not, it's a means to a greater end that I try, that's hard to hold in mind in those moments. And it's, it's, it's very interesting that, that you say that because I have, I have, uh, in my attempts to reconcile that part of myself, I watched some of the work of Dr. Jordan Peterson and at one point in his biblical discussions, he mentions how it is the purpose of an artist. And this really resonated with me it is the duty of an artist to, um, remove themselves from mankind's hierarchies and sort of exist alongside it and to look at it from an outsider's perspective and to comment on it. And when you try to take your art and artificially insert it into that hierarchical system, you're abandoning your actual, your, your post that you're supposed to serve, Mm. you know, like we're not supposed to play that game. Like that's why they talk about the starving artists. That's why artists, that's why true Artists, so many of them are often single for their entire lives. They struggle to maintain long-term relationships. Mm-hmm. They're following a different thing. Yep. They're, they've they've uh, married themselves to something outside. Yeah. And tying back to something you said earlier about how um, when you're in that artistic space, you can sort of neglect the outside world. Tolkien was like that. To where people would be like, like, or his kids would be like, Dad, how are you living like this? You yeah. know? And he's yeah. like, what? Oh, I'm Frodo, and you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, it, 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 it's such a, such a, such a yin-yang, like, uh, uh, Ram Dass says, who's washing the dishes? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, it's a, it's a funny thing, because like, like, to go on your spiritual journey, you forget you have a body, mm-hmm. and like. I think a lot of these creative endeavors are like knowingly and unknowingly a spiritual journey people put themselves on. Yes. And like uh it's like one of my one of my mentors said like the pursuit of art is the pursuit of self. That makes complete sense. And like they were it was in regards to me uh having real bad mental health at the time and like feeling real bad about not doing the art and they're like like they're like 
take a break, like work on you so you can do your art after that. Because if you, if you can't do you, you can't do your art. I like that a lot. It was really cool. Have you ever seen Westworld? Yes. Season one. You know when Ford... No. Yes, this was season one. When Ford's uh, protege or whatever, the really cocky uh, executive guy, yeah. makes his storyline or whatever, and Ford says, um, this doesn't show me... Or this isn't going to show the viewer who they are. William? All it does is going to show them who you are. William? Is that his n- No, 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 no. The well, I mean, his name's not not important. I don't, I, I, I don't really remember but it. The, but, but the, 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 the idea, the theme, yeah, the motif. Of the, it. the core of the idea is that art is supposed to be, and Rick Rubin says something similar to where art is, art is a journal entry. It, it, at first, has to be something that is, uh, a, rec- a, a moving from a point A to a point B inside of yourself, and then comes out. You know, Mm -hmm. it's not supposed to be the other way around where you observe the zeitgeist and then go in to create, you know, Mm -mm. it should be the other way around. It's like you absorb the zeitgeist and you have to trust that, you know, yeah, what to say, which I, and I I feel like people, people like us have this sort of intuitive, intuitive sense of the zeitgeist. And like, I feel like we, we know way before where the zeitgeist arrives, or when the zeitgeist arrives, where it's going to, where it's going to arrive, so, so, so to speak. There is a feeling. And, like, I heard someone say that about Leonardo da Vinci, that, that in, individuals like him, they weren't ahead of their time. They exist outside of time. And they sort of have an uncanny ability to perceive every, like, sort of, I guess, intuitively construct a map of how everything once was and how it always will be and where you fall in that chain. Exactly. You start you know? seeing this, like greater motion that you're a part of and it's yep. like oh i still can't like it's that alignment it's that sense of like there's a uh when i'm real like bad mental health but i don't dismiss it because i think there's a truth to it but like uh i call it the sequence like the great like the divine sequence and mm-hmm. like i'll be like fuck i'm out of sequence i'm out of sequence like whenever shit's like like been real bad for a while like and i'm like on the thin of my mental health i'm like getting grind thin i'm like looking for like god to tell like show me what i need to do in the proper order because if i go out of like it's like okay like here's an easy example it's like say i want to go do something but like i can't find my keys i'm not supposed to do that because i haven't done something yet is how my brain works in those moments that makes complete sense and it's like, but, but like the, the craziest part of it is that I do the other thing and then my keys are there yeah. and it trips me out every time because it's so, uh, on point where it's like, there is an alignment that I can sense and mm-hmm. I can sense it when I'm really much on the edge of it. And it's like, the, like, it's like, I'll die if I don't do it. <laughs> the feeling. Yeah. That's, that's very, that's, that's, that's really interesting how the time when you are most aware that there is an order to everything is sort of when you start detaching yourself from the order of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember, uh, it was like, yeah, there's a lot of just like interesting things like that. Like I was once like taking a little mushrooms and I was in Houston and I didn't really think I was supposed to be in Houston. And like, if like this trip was like Houston was trying to murder me. So like, I like witnessed like five car accidents, like subsequently while on this bike ride. What the hell? uh-huh i like heard one i saw one that had happened i saw one happen and then i like am sitting at a red light i'm in the right lane it's a two lane there's three cars on my left 
I just hear an explosion behind me. I'm peeking. Uh, I'm like peeking hard on mushrooms on my bike, on my little bicycle. <laughs> and I look over to my left and I see the three cars like all being shoveled forward by this red truck. Three cars back that just like must have hit them at like 50 miles an hour. Oh, shit. And so like they're exploding and I'm like peaking. So everything, and I have an adrenaline rush, so everything's slow motion. And I have such a high perception rate that like there's a time dilation. And so I'm like watching this whole thing in slow motion, like one car after the other, like, I'm seeing the people like, Oh shit. And then like the truck finally gets there. It's this red cherry red pickup with sod in the back. The guy must've just gotten done working like a long shift. It was like asleep at the wheel. Oh no! And uh, he wasn't even up yet. He was still asleep when he. Pa- I could see him sleeping when he passed by. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell? And uh, it was just so crazy because, like, I I knew something was happening. I was getting a message. Uh-huh. It was like like I was being told to leave. It was like the last month I was ever in Houston. Wow, that's crazy to think about. Yeah, I was, and you know that makes me wonder about. Like I'm, I'm, I'm not gonna lie to you. Over the last say two and a half years, I've had an uncanny amount of near death experiences, like to where I was inches away from. So death. I have a, I have, and I wonder if you share this because. Do you feel like you shifted timelines? Like, <sighs> I have this weird feeling. Like, imagine this from your perspective alone, and okay. from my perspective alone, we will never die. In this way that, like, because we both believe in this parallel universe idea. Uh-huh. Well... I'm going out on a limb. I'm going out on a limb. This is my weird feeling I get when these experiences happen, is that, like, I died, and then I shifted into the universe that I didn't die. Because mm. I get this intense shudder where it feels like I am shifting out of my body and something, I'm going somewhere else. And then I'm just where I was. Because that's how it happened right before it all started. That's that's really that's a really profound frame of of mind to pursue. I like I I really need to sit. Isn't that, and eat that interesting? Like, because it's like this idea that like so like, and like I wouldn't test it, but like if you took it to its universal, it's like you'll just keep shifting timelines until there's no more. Yeah, and maybe that's and, and relating and back all, to what we were saying. There's all these versions of you collapsing. The yeah. t- remember the timelines collapsing, yes. like you're saying, and then it gets to where your names just mentioned. But like those last collapsing timelines are what I feel like those experiences are mm-hmm. of like all the possibilities of you collapsing and you shifting into the one timeline, and then that final then you at the end is either heaven or hell. Exactly, because all of the waveforms <laughs> have been collapsed. Every possibility has been achieved. So if your spirits, if your spirit and your interdimensional self was at a point of spiritual enlightenment and alignment such that it can it can exist that way in that resonance positively forever Mm -hmm. then that's heaven but if it was so chaotic and so So you never die in these situations which is kind of what heaven and hell is like this idea of shifting into infinity the the vibe the in the trans-dimensional vibrations that constitute yourself continue to exist after death and the nature, or the quantum state, the final waveform that they're collapsed into is where you're your, slotted into your consciousness is arrived at. Yeah. Yeah. And integrated back in. Yeah, or samsara or nirvana. Or, yeah, or like it's reconsumed back. and then reprocessed. Yes. 
Yes, absolutely. Yeah, but it was like a really interesting. Like I've get I've gotten those like where like every time I've had a near death experience, I have like a shudder right before it. Really? Yeah. Like you sort of have like a spidey like, sense. Like that, like you know, like that where your taint, your spine's just like oh, uh-huh. and you're like feel like you're like shifting. <laughs> That's weird because I sort of had a spidey sense. Where, because okay, one, uh, I, I was downtown, and there's this there's this road. Right, right, the, it, that branches off of Lake Street that goes over this railroad track and there's yep. a building on the other side of it. It was super foggy, raining really hard downtown that that day. And I was, I, I couldn't even see the railroad track on the grounds how thick the fog was. So I didn't know I was sitting on top of the railroad track. Uh, I, I was doing uh, Uber at the time, so I was setting up my next ride. Um, and as I was doing that, I felt something. And I look up to my left and there's a train about to hit me, bro. I <laughs> narrowly, if I was in anything other than you a Kia Soul, a, yeah, the it would have hit the back of the car, like just light and small, and you could just yep. like, no tail. Yep, I just yeah, no back to it. Yep. Really, I was able to just. Whoop, scoot You're like right that dog with his tail scooting on, but like <sighs> booty scooting. Yeah, and it, Man. Re- it really didn't hit me until about 25 minutes later, I, as I was driving somebody uh, 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 on then my next Uber ride. I was like, I almost just died. I just been nearly escaped death. Holy shit. And that's happened to me roughly eight times in the past two years. I think like in those moments, there's a collapsing happening and an awareness that forms. Hmm. Then like if you're someone like yourself who seems to practice awareness, you will, you'll catch it. And you know, I never thought about that being what was happening until right now. And maybe that's it's like what the c- possibility is all collapsing in that thing. And what if, what if the Mandela effect is then people from other dimensions Shifting are remembering in. things from their home dimension because they've been collapsed into this self. Yeah. And so... And they're all so similar. Because, the, like, the shift would be, like, you would literally just, like, an electron shift to the nearest dimension. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't be a big change. It wouldn't be, like, Very now... Mean. It wouldn't be, like, you're in the hot dog dimension now. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like... Like, unless, like, there's only fucking two left. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? You're at the last one. Yeah, dude, what? Whoa, hot dog. Big, big jump. I think I noticed <laughs> this time. Um, yeah, like, it, it, the dimension that you jump to would be so similar that it would be like a mandala effect. But what if that's what we call, like, these insane people who really think that they're somebody else who have imposter syndrome? Oh, yeah, I think there's, like, a ton of, like, overlap on recycling and like fractaling of 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 people do you think perhaps that could play a role in disassociative identities also that'd be kind of nuts i i think so one cool thing with reincarnation that i think's interesting is like now that we're at such a high population what does that mean for the souls reincarnating if there's more people than there have ever been today well, does that mean that there are new souls or does that mean that souls are running through the multiple lifetime life at the same time in my in what i've read in the studies that i've done i don't have sources to cite but right now but what essentially what what i've come to is that earning human consciousness is sort of what happens once certain criteria are met in lower level consciousnesses and so you start assimilating or uh, like whatever ends up like the it, it sort of works its way up like by like reverse taxonomy mm-hmm. toward a higher more powerful more potent consciousness and then like humans so we sort of do the same thing we coalesce into a higher more potent consciousness what at what point do you leave the physical realm 
I think that's I think that's uh well what they say is that sort of that's when you transcend from Samsara into Nirvana when the right criteria when the right check box has been ticked yeah you transcend this wheel of life this constant repetition of flesh and death and repurposing and recycling and move up into the next one the fifth dimension yeah and so once all your zippers have been zipped the right way you know or or whatever way right or wrong I don't know if there's such a thing like you said earlier yeah but that's very interesting yeah like uh there's a there's a very like and i like this uh because i think like the nirvana isn't for everyone mm-hmm. but i think it, it it isn't for everyone to go to in their incarnation but it is uh i think beneficial to learn from in every carnation incarnation so like yeah. saying like I think like the knowledge of some from someone who has been to Nirvana to someone who doesn't necessarily need to go there this incarnation yeah. is still beneficial to them in that incarnation. That's sort of the spiritual equivalent of the business um or slogan that you can learn from the CEO as much as you can learn from the janitor. You yeah. Know? There's something you to be learned from everybody. It's like I think like like one cool thing is like I think a lot of people like when you trip it might a lot of people might not want to say this but you, I think people who trip like have been enlightened and i think that like it's a window though and it's mm-hmm. that's the part people don't like is like they a lot of people like the idea of enlightenment as like once you get there it's like you get like a blue check and like yeah. you're like you're officially enlightened yeah as if it's like and i think it's more like a plane that you have to keep flying and like once you get the plane level it doesn't mean you take your hands off the stick and go like fuck around in the back yeah. the plane's gonna crash yeah it's something that has to be maintained once it's, it's maintained once yeah, it's there because you can or you can reach enlightenment and then entropy can pull you back away from and it and I don't also think it's a necessarily a bad thing to leave enlightenment because I think that there's no way to it's how do you communicate enlightenment um while being enlightened <laughs> and so then is, so it's like you have to come back and, and, and take the lessons and apply them through your role yeah that's like the game and maybe sort of even it is incumbent upon you to sort of descend beneath the lesson sometimes and remind yourself shifting yeah it's like the game is like the freedom to shift to these different states of self free Mm -hmm. as freely as possible it's not to always be there yeah it's like when you're not needed to be the warrior or to be the husband or to be the son or the, you know, whatever your role is in that moment, then to be able to be the divine and just be there is like ultimate goals so that there's never, you can always be the there. It's very interesting. It's like this uh, coming and going with every breath. That's very, very true. But that's like, and that's ideal. And I think that's like a great ideal to hold and like strive towards and fail upon. Man, you know, having such, having such open-minded and spiritual and quite frankly, genius individuals at the core of Manifest, do you think that there is a potential or... Um, that there should be considered to be the potential of sort of a cult-like energy developing, and if so, mm. is 
would it be um would it be sort of wise to implement safeguards against such a potentiality that's a great question and i funny enough love like this idea of calling a production company the good cult (laughs) 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 anthony hates that term but i think it's so funny and loaded so juicy but I understand the problematicness of it. So many bad cults in this world that have yeah. come about and so much horrible stuff that's come from it. So um, I think that, like, uh, that's why we're putting together, we have this idea of putting together a council, this idea of uh, asking everyone what they think Manifest stands for mm-hmm. and collecting all those just like we did at, like, at camps and different sort of groups you've gone into where you all write everything you think it stands for. And you compile them, you see what the greater uh, 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 um, what would you call them commandments are tenants are so like say like you got a bunch of things there say like don't be mean to each other, like uh be friends, like you'd call that just like camaraderie, so you'd get everyone's like voicings in there, and you try and collapse it into like five six tenants, do this every six months and see where it stands and keep a council that guides it. I think like Anthony and I's ultimate ideal for manifest is it to be self-sustaining and uh, not rigid. I think because like it's that thing we're talking about earlier, this like weird dualism of, maintaining control over something but also letting it be it feels like raising like a kid Mm -hmm. like you have to like we have i think a good intention with it which is the idea of synergy and group genius which i call genius the genius of the scene indeed however it is important to uh take or to come to terms with the fact that the road to hell is paved with good intentions Oh yeah, and in the event, or like so, I, I, in the event of disputes, I wonder what sort of checks and balances would need to be in place to us to assure that a collective s- such as this doesn't end up only benefiting those who are willing to flatter those at the center and align with sort of the. Um, the toe the company line, so to speak. Mm, I see what you mean. Where it's like, how do you keep from getting people like like bootkissing, yeah, and like letting that corrupt it, and everyone who doesn't just over time becoming exiled because they don't align with the sort of the core. I think that the core values then have to be uh, universally applied, and like that will be important at the first meeting where it's like like presenting scenarios to what these tenants mean and like making sure that they're very strong like that like the tenants should point to things like caring for each other to allowing people to be themselves so long as it doesn't affect others very like american principles yeah very uh abrahamic principles like classics and i think like that's what this group is it's like our ultimate goal is that manifest could be something that we could bow out of in like 10 years, 20 years, and it would just keep doing itself. 
Like, I think Manifest is an idea that Anthony and I embodied and, like, resonated with people. And I think now we're at a point where we're going to see without saying it ourselves if that is the truth. To see... I think it's important to see what Manifest is to everybody. What, what, what does it mean? What does Manifest mean to you is a big question on my mind for others. And, like, the the common denominator of that question, I think, will be what has to guide it. And there has to be a faith in what those principles end up being and a adherence to certain ones of protection. I agree. I happen to be of the opinion that in order for any tribe or team to make forward momentum, that there has to be alignment and there has to be a higher ideal that, that mm-hmm. is adhered to and pursued. But... Um, I only ask to uh, sort of get the conversation going about yeah. because this is a community and it's yeah. uh, a community full of very charismatic, very, uh, what's the word, um, open to experience and often marginalized in certain ways yeah. individuals who find a very strong sense of purpose here. And who find a very strong sense of community. And I, I, I do think that there's a massive responsibility on the people who are at the center of this now as it continues to grow to ensure that um, the structure of the community is organized such that it is beneficial to all those involved forever and not just a way to aggrandize those at the center. So Some sort of grandfathering deal i agree yeah because i think like the best part of it to me is watching people who didn't play music before play music now mm-hmm. that is so cool to see kate then, for instance who kate, per- played her first show and, and kate if you're listening that was fucking yeah. awesome i only thought kate could do photography videography and then Kate blows my mind with fashion and music yeah. and just keeps going like another one of these artists Somebody who I would definitely like to have on the cast very soon. Um, Speaking of which, uh, probably going to go ahead and uh, wrap it up here soon. But before we do, I would like to just uh, give you an opportunity here to talk about things that you have coming up. Um, What do you have coming up here in the near future? So I've got this series I'm cooking up. So from the best part of winning critical mass is I have this opportunity to do a show of paintings and hopefully put something more meaningful than a singular message into it by just trusting a process. (coughs) Excuse me. (coughs) I think that like, This series will be a good testament to trusting yourself and following uh, your truth, if I do it right. Okay, and where can the people listening um, experience this project? When will it be uh, something that the the public can get their eyes on? April 26th will be the grand opening of not only my show, but the critical mass itself. And I think real important is that artists in Shreveport, Bossier area... Caddo area, they apply to this thing. It's called Critical Mass. It's an easy opportunity to not only uh, get your art out there, but also to meet other artists in a formal setting. As to what manifests is a nice informal. Uh, you'll see 
a good scope of people making art in the area and a good feel of what people are doing that you might like. Okay. Especially and... in visual arts, which like you don't get that opportunity in Shreveport other than this, I think. And uh, when uh, or where where is this going to be? So again? this is going to be downtown on Texas Street at Art Space, and anyone can apply to be in this show, the Critical Mass show, for free. All you have to do is make a culturalist page and go to Shrek, dot uh, com, Shreveport Regional Arts Council. And what are all the different categories that? So you have three categories. You got visual arts, performing arts, and literary arts. So. And your one individual can submit to all one piece to all three. So say you can, uh, as say you want to submit a poem, a song that you'd perform, and a painting you made or a sculpture you made. You can submit that, and you could actually, if you win, you could win all three. There's a cash prize and a showcase that comes with that cash prize. When is the deadline to sign up? End of March. So like round like. If you're done before the spring equinox, you can get a piece in there. Can a, a novel be part of literary arts? You could... I think the a best sample? way to do a novel would be to put in, like, you were saying, like, your prologue. Like, you yeah. were saying you got, like, some, like the taster. Uh-huh. A sample. Exactly. Okay. Like, a short story that is a part of it. I think I'm gonna have to do that. Yeah. And I think it's a great, like, place to, like... Because that's where you can go meet a bunch of other people who are writing short stories. Now y'all can, like, hang out for the weekend. I love this. And you get to read all theirs. They'll read yours. You're going to have a professional critic read yours. And just at the least, it's a great experience to, like, learn some stuff. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. I don't like it that it's a competition, but I think if you get past that part and realize that it's much more about the congregationing mm-hmm. of it, then you'll have a blast. And uh, and if 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 anything, just the prize can be seen as a, a decision to showcase right at this moment your particular work. Exactly. Like the judge that I had uh is really, really cool. Christopher Blay mm-hmm. was uh editor is a works at the Glass Tire Art Publication in Texas as like an editor, I believe, and I've read his stuff. He's a great writer, great thinker, great artist, and uh super lucky that he was there, but he was so cool. He did the critique like not the critique, but this like critics talk and when he introduced himself he like did this great job of take stepping off the pedestal that he'd been put up on where he's like all right so you know i'm the judge but i'm also just a person with a set of knowledge and a set of opinions that i'm bringing here i'm gonna choose one of you and then next year someone else will sit in this seat and they'll choose Mm -hmm. another one of you wow and like he's and he said that to the effect to dispel this like feeling of needing i loved it it was like this like don't mind this part of it he's like he's like if you win you win if you don't you don't like you're there's so much more to this Hmm. and like it was very interesting yeah i believe i will need to submit my novel to that that sounds amazing yeah very, very and the the woman who was uh what was her name she was also amazing for the literary uh critic that they okay so they have a different critic for each of the fields all right. Yeah, that sounds awesome. Yeah, it's really cool. Uh, that that I think is super important. I'm going to give an artist talk uh sometime. I don't know when that's coming up. Um about uh anything, I think. So I've a little sneak peek is that I will be presenting on uh science and spiritualism and where they intersect with art. And where would you be doing this at? This will also be at Art Space okay. and the time ha- the date hasn't been announced yet. 
Nice. That's very interesting. I will need to make sure I'm there for that. But, um, okay, I I believe we have uh, talked for long enough tonight, man. That was so much fun. I love this. Yeah. Dude. I'm and so glad you finally got to do this. Me too. We've been talking about this for so freaking long, man. And you know what? I'm definitely going to have to have you back when we can actually have a camera set up so we can have a more legit look at this studio and talk about like your art and really dive deeper would love into to, would love to be done. back on but until then it's been an absolute pleasure michael you too Tyler. and thank you guys for listening this has been the profit incentive podcast and we'll see you all again very soon